0: You Run <laughs> If you're
1: not down with that
0: What's up and welcome everyone to the Two Words Podcast. And I know that this is not normally my introduction, my jovial introduction, but let's face it, this is not a jovial podcast. This is not the podcast I wrote to do. This is not the podcast I wanted to do, but it's kind of the podcast I think Matt and I need to do. Tonight, we are doing a podcast honoring the legendary Bray Wyatt, who passed away last week uh, after after a long bout with some sickness. Um, and so we are going to do this show. Uh, we are still going to have fun. We're still going to joke around and enjoy things. Uh, but hopefully this show will be an homage to <clears throat> the great Bray Wyatt. How are you holding up, Matt? Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's it sucks. I, I feel mean. like guys our age, like this sucks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why... Are we middle-aged? Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm middle-aged. Depends on how mind. long you plan to live.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a dark conversation you gotta have with yourself. Um, but, you know, guys in that, like, 30 to 40 kind of mm-hmm. range, like, we're really... Mm -hmm. really seem to be taking this hard uh, across the the whole thing. But we're going to talk about him a little bit later. We're also going to be talking about All in London. Mm -hmm. Um, But first, hey, yo, Hulk Hogan went on the Joe Rogan podcast, and it almost took him, and he almost made it six minutes without lying. (laughs) On the August 23rd edition of the JRE podcast, the Hulkster made the claim that when Brock Lesnar returned to pro wrestling after being in the UFC, that the WWE had Lesnar and Hogan working together, which is completely and verifiably untrue. No one would want that. No one would want that. Like, it famously is not what happened. Like... Brock like Brock Lesnar came back in 2012, <laughs> and he wrestled John Cena. He immediately started yeah. with John Cena. Like,
1: and as much as I disliked the never-ending Brock versus Roman Reigns, I'd take that any day over Brock versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah.
0: They, <laughs> and like you can look it up. You know how many times they've wrestled ever? Hmm. Once. In 2002.
1: I'm surprised they, they did at all.
0: Yeah, they, they wrestled in 2002. That how was,
1: was that not a giant beef mountain just snapping an old twig in half <laughs> just, how is well, that not the the outcome
0: because they, because <laughs> they started the podcast off with Rogan talking about like how insane of an athletic how insane of a human being Brock Lesnar is mm-hmm. um, and Hulk Hogan was like, "Oh yeah, when he came back from the UFC, they had you know they had us working together, and you know I had to you know kind of get him in, you know give him the office is what he re- what he called it. It's like it's that's not none of that's
1: true. No, none of that happened. Why did you say? Why did you? <laughs> we all know. He's, he's, Why are you telling people just... you're not on Facebook? <laughs> people don't like, be afraid friend, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's uh, another two years away from being the next Jesse Ventura on yeah. every podcast. <laughs> Which I've seen a lot.
0: I'm not even down here in in the United States. I'm spending 51% of my year in the Baja. I'm not even technically a United States citizen, so I don't have to pay
1: federal taxes. So many of those Will Sasso TikToks. (laughs) Bogo
0: beef days are back.
1: (laughs) Ding dong eat have you ever dined on long pig? <laughs> That's what the cannibals call human being because we taste like pork. You know what else is really good? Just like a tortilla with scrambled eggs.
0: <laughs> I love them so much. I can't get enough of them.
1: I love Will Sasso's. Ding dong pig. eat a thong. <laughs> get earned ding dong coin for every ding oh, dong man. you can eat. <laughs> oh, Buy man. ding dong merch. Also... What happened on nine eleven they obviously covered up a air to ground missile that struck the Pentagon
0: <laughs> back to Hogan like you, like if you listen to rogan's interview with the Undertaker and then rogan's interview with hulk hogan it's like the undertaker spent three hours going like yeah i I don't you know i i had a great time i'm really thankful but i have no idea why anybody cares about what i did and hulk hogan's like i'm the only reason wrestling's around brother
1: (laughs) come on dude uh all right hey yo john cena returns to uh smackdown this week Followed by a match at Superstar Spectacle in India next week. Okay, yeah. on uh, I think that's the eighth, where he will team up with Seth Rollins to go against in a tag team match against the Imperium, the the uh, the under the under Imperium, the tag team of the Imperium, the, the uh, but, lesser Imperium. But then, surprisingly, he is scheduled to be on SmackDown every week through the end of October. Really, not sure why or what he'll be doing, and it. Wouldn't be to set up a match for survival survivor thieves because that's not until <laughs> the middle of November. So I don't know, I don't know why, but I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll run a little program, maybe yeah. Grayson Waller that was kind of teased. Do a Grayson Waller. Um,
0: uh, I could see them uh, because I can see this happening them, uh, him taking the belt off of Roman. Like because that seems like the kind of thing they would That wouldn't happen. No, that you're would happen. Crazy That would happen. That would not happen Mark bookmark this, this audio so that when it does happen, we play it back.
1: You know what? You're you're batting zero on our pay per view predictions, so I I'm really not gonna am.
0: <laughs> It's so bad. Um no I'm I'm pumped about that. I, I think it's fun to see him back. Yeah, we've gotten enough time enough distance from John Cena
1: like As actual wrestling, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's popped up now and then, not to do much, but yeah. It'll be nice to have him. And I I believe it's like a a miniature full time. So he might also be on the road for the live events for SmackDown. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be
0: cool. Yeah. I remember uh, one of the first live events I went to, uh, he wrestled um, Big Show in a cage match there in Lubbock. And like the Big Show came out and he had just done like a heel turn. And so like it was, it was a whole like, bunch
1: of like his like 37th. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was the one where he was with uh he was <laughs> aligning with uh oh John Laurinaitis. <laughs> um but like Big Show comes out and there's all these boos, just boo, and then John Cena's music hits and the bass just drops out of the room and it's nothing but girlish screams. <laughs> just, It was like me and Mike Thompson are just sitting next to each other,' just like this is so loud, <laughs>
1: but, and bleeding ears,
0: yeah, yeah, um, hey, yo. Netflix is releasing a new show called Wrestlers, uh, according to the official synopsis. The relationship, uh, it is going to be about OVW, um, currently owned by Matt Jones and Al Snow. Uh, the relationship between Jones and Snow is going to be the focal point um, and is directed by the same uh Producer Greg Whitley, who did uh, the docu series "Cheer" and "Last Chance You," and I don't know if you watched "Last Chance You," but "Last Chance You" was pretty good. Yeah, "Last Chance You" was a good docu series. Um, it kind of tailed off there towards the end, but that wasn't the show's fault. There's just they picked an uncompelling <laughs> source material. But um, no, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for that. Um, kind of see what's. What's going on on the other side of things? Yeah. Because OVW really doesn't have anything. It's not owned by WWE
1: anymore, is it? No. I mean, it used to be like their developmental yeah. uh, until they started working with just NXT and the Performance Center. Yeah. But um, I'm not even sure it was owned by OV or owned by WWE back then. I think it might have just been a partnership. It might have been. A developmental partnership. I'm not Could've 100% been. on that. But uh, it, did have, it did have... Pretty tight ties with WWE. Man, I'm pretty pumped to see that. Yeah, it'll be cool. I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, hey, yo! Impact is about to hit its 1,000th episode on September 9th. It will feature a title versus career match with Tommy Dreamer putting his career on the line versus uh, Kenny King for the Impact Digital Media Championship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not even this, not even the main title for Impact. It's his, but it's the big hype. He's, he's putting his career on the line <laughs> for this. Yeah, you know, for the YouTube Championship essentially. Oh god, Tommy Dreamer has been wrestling since 1989, uh, including long runs in ECW and WWE. He's currently a member of the Impact Creative Team backstage. Yeah, so. Pretty clear he's going to lose the match. Yeah, but still be around in Impact, just not on not on camera anymore.
0: Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch some of his stuff, recent stuff, because I feel like the last few times I've seen him, he hasn't been in bad shape. No, no, he still looks. I mean, he was good. never like in
1: spectacular shape, but he's just in like dude shape. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he's just like a guy.
0: Yeah, just just he's. He's in grill shape. (laughs) That's what we do. Um, Hey, yo, WWE recently released their NFL legacy belts with a championship belt representing 31 of the 32 teams in the NFL. Care to take a guess as to which team is not being represented?
1: Come on. Now this is all over the internet And it's a—it's kind of a hoax man. <laughs> Go to WWEShop.com no, You're right it's not there <laughs> The Jacksonville Jaguars one Is not there But the actual company that makes Them for WWE claims that they Were sold out and they should be back In next week I don't
0: know. There's not a link on there for them. You take those links down, man. You, you d- do up. not take those links sure down. Sure they do. You never take the links down. You just put sold out. Even <laughs> if it's not sold out. That's true. The, it's Usually the Tom Haverford think. business model. But
1: either way, either way, I don't see why WWE wouldn't sell that because are the, the Jaguars aren't getting any of that money. I mean... Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how licensing on that works. I'm not sure. I'm sure most of it, though, goes to the WWE. It's like taking, taking money out of Tony Khan's pocket. Uh, but okay. I mean, like, Ooh.
0: if you've ever met someone from Jacksonville, you'd be like, oh, they're your prime demographic.
1: Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> portals! <laughs>
0: from Maltov cocktails my my high school wasn't really a set of buildings it was just some portables that were portables on a raft put together
1: <laughs> so why don't you tell me what happened at 911 uh <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, hey yo uh so i don't know if you heard about the altercation that happened after all in or actually not after. even after. It was it was barely the all in hadn't even started yet. CM Punk and Jungle Boy, right? Yeah. Okay. So CM Punk and Jack Perry. Uh so what happened? Jack Perry was in a zero hour match, the pre-show, with Hook, referring to uh he, he got up into the camera basically and said, It's real glass, cry me a river and then walked off. And this was in reference to a problem that CM Punk had with Jack Perry using actual glass in stuff that they were doing mm. saying you need to use you know sugar glass or whatever you know because that's dangerous essentially so CM almost, Punk almost killed Nick Cage right CM Punk not one to let things slide then uh so the, here's what here's what's punk side claims happened. Perry stepped into Punk's face and bumped punk punk then pushed perry which prompted the former FTW champion to come at punk punk then choked him other recollec- uh, recollections have stated that punk approached perry first and threw the first punch and grabbed the younger talent in the face uh in a face front lock wade keller of pw torch reported that punk got in jack perry's face as he headed to the gorilla position for his match with samoa joe punk asked if he had a problem Perry mentioned details of their arguments leaking online with Perry believing Punk's camp did so in an attempt to show him up and embarrass him. After words were exchanged, Punk pie-faced Perry and put him in the face lock and threw punches at him. House of Wrestling, H-A-U-S of Wrestling, meanwhile, has reported that Punk was waiting in Gorilla before his match with Samoa Joe and Perry walked up to him. Punk began the verbal verbal argument asking... um, if the former jungle boy had something to say. The conversation escalated there, and Perry told Punk to do something about it. Punk then did something about it <laughs> and put Perry in a chokehold. Uh, Fightful select noted that Perry viewed his shot at Punk during Zero Hour Match as a receipt for the real glass argument being made public. Perry told a couple of people before All In that he was planning to make a comment during his match with Hook. So it looks like both of them have been suspended. Until the full investigation is done, yeah. But like, AEW, get your crap together they backstage, need to figure it man. Out, man. Like, how often do you hear about real altercations happening backstage of WWE? Almost never. And it's every other day with AEW yeah. lately.
0: <laughs> and it's every other day with CM Punk. <laughs> and it's almost I always mean, it CM really Punk. Is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I just keep remembering the the Booker T story about um, CM Punk walking back into the locker room and everybody's sitting there, and CM Punk says something to the effect of, "As the locker room leader," and Booker T was like, "I just kind of laughed and walked out. <laughs> like that's not this. Don't, what, what are you talking about? You're not the locker room leader." <laughs> um, and like because he he walked in and immediately wanted to be and an AEW. It seems this way uh, that he walked in and wanted to be like, you know, the big dog, like Undertaker style. Like everybody looks up to that guy, and uh, it almost reminds me of. Um, the episode of The Office where Nellie sees the open chair and she sits in it and she becomes the office manager out of nowhere.
1: Like, I was thinking Community where Frankie comes in and says, somebody needs to be in charge and that person is me. That's my choice. <laughs> that's
0: my choice. <laughs> somebody needs to say I'm in charge and that person is me. Who talks like that? <laughs> um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. But it always seems like, like it's CM Punk. And he had a problem with the Young Bucks. And he had a problem with Kenny Omega. And then they gave him his own freaking show.
1: And Just to keep him away from people and that he, he didn't still like. Argue, <laughs> and he argued with all
0: those people that like him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they have to bring in
0: the Ring of Honor champion to fight him because nobody else wants to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's, he's not even that compelling in the ring. <laughs> He was fun in
1: 2013. Mm-hmm. He's it's yeah, it's it's not his prime anymore. Let's let's put it that way. He ain't this prime. Why are we bending over backwards for one guy?
0: I have no idea. Um, finally, hey, yo, AEW referee Bryce Remsburg was uh, a guest on the Should I Keep This podcast and revealed that one time uh, Insane Clown Posse made a push for an appearance on an AEW Dynamite while the promotion was in Detroit earlier this year. And as many bad decisions as I think AEW has made in their life, not allowing Insane Clown Posse on their show, was one of the better ones
1: better bad decisions
0: one of their better decisions better
1: decisions okay sorry your sentence confused me uh yeah i agree with that i mean they like, should have never been let into wwe either because
0: i think because i think it was like they wanted to be on the announce table it's like we're not we're not letting that happen <laughs> you know you know I can't let you do that.
1: What are magnets? How do they work? It's a miracle.
0: <laughs> Every time somebody says miracle, I think about I go, what are magnets? <laughs> what does rainbow work? It's a miracle. <laughs> so few people get that, but I, eh, hmm. you and I we get it. We we get it. We get it. Well, when we get do you have anything left? No, that's it. When we come back, we are going to be talking about all in London. Quite right. So Escape it here.
1: Today in Nerd History.
2: Today's date is August 31st.
1: On August 31st, 1996, Crash Bandicoot released. This classic platformer game follows the adventures of a genetically enhanced bandicoot who must stop the evil Dr. Neo Cortex from conquering the world.
2: On August 31st, 1999,
0: Tony Hawk's Pro Skater released. This groundbreaking skateboarding game let the players perform amazing tricks and combos as one of several legendary skaters in a variety of realistic and creative levels. It spawned a series of 20 games across several platforms forms.
1: On August 31st, 2011, Justice League No. 1 kicked off the New 52 era of DC Comics. The New 52 was a bold initiative to relaunch its entire line of superhero comics with new number 1 issues, new costumes, new origins, and a new continuity that merged elements from the previous DC Universe, Wildstorm, and Vertigo Comics.
2: On August 31st, 2021,
0: Only Murders in the Building premiered on Hulu. This American mystery comedy-drama television series, created by Steve Martin and John Hoffman stars Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez as three true crime podcast fans who investigate murders in their Upper West Side apartment building.
1: For more nerdy facts about today's entries, find the companion article on lovethynerd.com
0: Welcome back to the Two Words Podcast. Grab some toast, have your beans, because we're talking about all in London. That that makes up for my lack of
1: one-liner in the... Fish fingers and custard. Fish fingers and custard. Let's
0: go. Your fish and (laughs) chips. So, yeah. So, this last weekend, we had uh, all in London. It was at Wembley Stadium. 80,000 people, allegedly, uh, were in attendance at the event, sold out. Allegedly, very quickly. Um, I did not get a chance to watch all of it. I caught some of the highlights. Uh, Matt did mm-hmm. watch, watch everything. And so, Matt, give me some of your thoughts. All right.
1: Well, it was great. Uh, the Adam Cole. <laughs> All uh, right, next segment. <laughs> <end>. uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Adam Cole MGF thing was front and center from start to finish. Uh, really fun storyline with them right now. Their weird best friendship thing. Yeah, loving it. Loving every minute of it. Uh, they were a ta- they were in a tag team match on the zero hour pre show against the champions Aussie Open Cole and MGF won. It was a nice appetizer for the big night. Zero zero. Whoa! Oh, almost cussed there. Hour also <laughs> saw Hook defeat Jack Perry for the FTW Championship, with Taz celebrating the win on commentary. So maybe the title isn't being retired after all? Yeah, maybe not. We talked about no. it last time. I don't know. Both pre-show matches were solid, and both saw title changes. Uh, that's rare, for a pre-show, yeah, but kind of set the stage for what those are going to be. Main show kicked off with CM Punk versus Samoa Joe for the quote-unquote real AEW championship, the belt that Punk claims he never lost. Uh, it was a great match. Joe was the better man for most of it. Punk did pull out the win, though. There was a trios match, Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, and Kota Ibushi versus... Konosuke Takashita, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. It was a decent match uh, with a kind of out-of-nowhere finish. A lot of good storytelling with Omega and Don Callis. Takashita, White, and Robinson won. Um, Kind of a bummer there's no Omega singles match, but this was good nonetheless. AEW World Tag Championship match, FTR versus Young Bucks. Fantastic storytelling and probably the best match at that point uh, for the night. FTR came away with a win. Bucks firmly planted themselves as heels. Then we got to the stadium stampede match. You'll recall the, the first one was in a COVID times. Yeah. So they just invaded an actual stadium with nobody else there and just went all over the place. Fantastic. What happened here was just a pretty much basic hardcore match where a couple of them went to the back, okay? But Blackpool Combat Club, Santana and Ortiz versus Best Friends, Orange Cassidy, Eddie Kingston, and Penta. This was just a hardcore free-for-all, and I think it went way too far for me. Uh, A lot of blood, a lot of genuine stabbings with, like, wooden stakes into the head. Really? Forks into the back of the head. A lot of glass uh, gashes, glass slices, brutal chair shots to the head. Brutal chair shots with barbed wire wrapped around it to the head. I don't know. I don't know if this match is past its prime, kind of, this kind of match is past its yeah. prime, or if I'm just getting too old to enjoy it. I I came out of that with just a taste in my mouth. Just awful. Uh, There were several really cool moments, but I hardly remember them. Because all I remember is my butthole clenching for 20 solid minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And now you will, too. Enjoy. Well, you know...
0: cuz Cause, cause there's there's that one really really famous uh falls county where for the hardcore championship <laughs> it was the it was the there's the championship stampede I think is what they called it.
1: Yeah, they did do another one, yeah. Um and like that one was cool. Any really original stadium stampede was great. Yeah,
0: loved it. Original stadium stampede fantastic. It's just kind of one of those like you can do it. And now we can move on. We don't need to don't mm-hmm. need to do this. Um I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they took a chance. Like, okay, some people may really, really love this 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 a little more there's, there's
1: aggressive. Ob- yeah. There's obviously a part of the fandom yeah, that digs this kind of thing. Yeah
0: because there are some guys out there that wrestle in the indie circuit and like you go and watch them because of how much they're going to bleed. And- yeah,
1: absolutely. So the one part in particular, you know those kitchen skewers, the wooden kitchen skewers? Yeah. John Moxley got a whole handful of those jammed into the top of his skull. And you think, okay, well there's a whole bunch. You know, it's like a bed of nails. Nothing's really going to this is Stick a bad idea. I'm going to look it up, though. Most of them flew out, except for like six that just kind of flung down, and you just see them stuck into his scalp, hanging out like anime hair, anime bangs, <laughs> or whatever. It just made me want to throw up. It was so bad. <laughs> and this was like very early on in the match. That was the first brutal thing. Uh, anyway, while you look that up, AEW Women's Championship came after that. It was Saraya versus Hakuru Shida versus Tony Storm versus Dr. Britt Baker. Fatal four-way kind of thing. It was all right. Uh, it was a welcome return to normalcy following the uh, state, stadium stampede. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't great. Saraya won. Her family was there, so that was cool. Made for a bigger moment. Then we had the coffin match. Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Uh, this was like a fun gimmick gimmick match. A hardcore match, but not excessively so. Hit all the right notes. Sting and Darby Allin won. Nothing super memorable, but a good like popcorn match. You know, mm-hmm. Good watch. Chris Jericho versus Will Osprey was after that. It was a good match. It never got great. I will go back and watch that.
0: Yeah. Just for the sake of watching that one. Yeah.
1: It, it suffered from being too far up the card, I think. The audience was a little tired. Mm. Osprey won. Uh, I think the most notable thing was Jericho and Fozzie. Played Judas, yeah. Prior to the bout, so I think that was pretty cool. Uh, we had the trios championship after this. It was the acclaimed and Billy Gunn versus House of Black. Uh, this one I didn't get. I felt like it was a match designed to showcase the like rejuvenation of Billy Gunn, who was kind of like quitting or whatever a few weeks ago. Yeah, but I think like that hurt everybody else in the match because first of all, AEW has been putting in so much work to rebuild the House of Black as a legit threat after like a year of garbage booking. And then they just had them lose the titles here. And then the acclaimed who come off looking like they couldn't do anything on their own or establish themselves without Billy Gunn. Like it was a quick, fun match, but it's just confusing booking. Uh, Buddy Matthews, though, did carry in a lantern during his entrance as a tribute to Bray Wyatt. Oh, that's nice. Which made me want to cry. A lot of wrestlers had like Bray armbands on, mm-hmm. it, which was neat. So finally, it was the AEW championship MJF versus Adam Cole. MJF promised Cole a shot at the title. And this was a brilliant match. There was so much storytelling. Uh, given that these two are best friends right now in in you know the storyline, they had hesitations on doing moves. They refused to do certain moves. Others others interfered on their behalf because they weren't doing enough to each other. Uh, there were shades of Eddie Guerrero's cheating tactics. Uh, I don't want to spoil it if you want to go back and watch that.
0: I did watch I did watch
1: the chair yeah. sequence. It was so fun, that was clever. Fun nod. Uh, MJF ultimately got the win, uh, then tried to console Adam Cole, grabbing their tag titles and telling him, we still have these, and all these people love you, and things like that. Adam Cole's kind of like throwing a pouting fit in the corner, and he throws the title away, and MJF does his big long so we were never friends you just wanted this title that's what this whole thing was about and he gave Cole the opportunity to smash him in the back of the head he said just go ahead and do it just go which they've done a couple times in yeah. the storyline and ever i think everyone thought that he was finally going to do it like this was going to happen and, of course, he did not. And he threw the title down, and they went and they hugged. And it was silly, and it was glorious. And I don't know where the storyline is going next, but I'm loving every minute of it.
0: Yeah. No, this is, <laughs> so, um, what do, who do you think was, like, the biggest winner of the night?
1: Biggest winner of the night? Let me look over this again. Honestly, I I feel like that last match was the the yeah. the big one.
0: I I have some as, as somebody who didn't who is not able to to watch it. Um, I have some questions and some concerns. Um, number one, why are your two two of your biggest stars in the entirety of the entire company? Um, your champion. Competing for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships on the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. It like it moves things forward, but like you, could, you know, yeah, like I've, like like we couldn't make our own tag team champions look weak, so we had to like get Ozzy open to come and, you know, like
1: like that just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think it was more of an opportunity to tease what's going to happen tonight by giving you something big and saying, if we're willing to do something this big on the pre-show, imagine what we're going to do on this main event. Fair enough. You know, I, I feel like that's what they were going for with making the pre-show yeah. such a big deal, having two pretty decent matches with title changes happening. Like... This is going to be a big night, guys, and you're going to miss it if you don't yeah. buy this pay-per-view right now.
0: Um, I think, as well, uh, you know, this, the All In was touted as this huge, momentous thing, in re- not just in AEW, but in all of wrestling. This is, like, this is the event, and it's... Gonna be on at eleven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty tough. Like, <laughs> but look, get, get, I mean, I, I watched it later uh, in the day, but still, with with all that being fair points, I'm. I'm willing to say this was a pretty top-tier pay-per-view, was it? one of AEW's it, best.
0: I mean, you know, looking down the card, it looked like, you know, even CM Punk and Samoa Joe, I'm, you know. That was a great match. Even, even you know, even yeah. with all the stuff that I was talking about CM Punk earlier, like, that's probably a really solid match. I don't think there's any reason that Samoa Joe needs to be an impact or Ring of, or even Ring of Honor.
1: Yeah, he's the Ring of Honor champion.
0: Ring of Honor champion. I don't think there's any reason he should be Ring of Honor champion. I think he should be in AEW yeah. I, or WWE. I think he should be in one of those two companies. Yeah. Um, and it makes next to no sense uh, that he's not. Um, I, I do really love the number of like tag matches and trios matches mm-hmm. and like multiple uh, participant matches and that's really what's setting AEW apart right now i think
1: is yeah because we're not really doing that much kind of stuff i mean just having a whole trios division and championship yeah. thing is a cool idea yeah uh because we've had several in the last decade or so of wwe several trio tag teams that would have been really cool to have like yeah. a little mini division for them but overall, I would give this a solid B plus, maybe we an don't. A minus as a pay-per-view. Uh, definitely one to watch if you can, if you can go back. Uh, the other question I have is, why is All Out a week later? All Out's this week? All, these, all Out's this coming weekend.
0: <laughs> all In was a well, they have to go All Out if you go All In. If you, you went gotta, All In, you got to go out It's like a hokey pokey, man. Come on. <laughs> That's this weekend. It's It's a pay per view this weekend, Sunday (laughs) for sixty dollars. I gotta pay one hundred twenty dollars two week over two weeks to.
1: Let me just make sure I have have that right. All out date. Mm -mm. Yeah, September (laughs) third. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be all in and then all out again. (laughs) That quick.
0: I just, I just don't. You know, they they do some and and you know, we get a lot of uh we get a lot of flack for how we talk about AEW, but it's the sort of thing that makes us talk that way about
1: AEW. <laughs> they just do things weirdly. Sometimes, they do guys.
0: great th- it's and it's not because it's like they do these great things and then they and then they immediately do this. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> yeah, just that's, a, that's
1: a that's about that's a hundred and twenty dollars in, in eight days, yeah. <laughs> if you want to keep up with
0: the <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: It should have been a package deal, you should have gotten but both for that price.
0: That would have been that would have been smart, been smart idea. That yeah. would have been so smart. You could have moved so much, um. You know, at least for people who were willing to pay for the pay-per-view, which of course you did. I I'm sure you did.
1: Totally. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Full price. I paid extra, even. Well, well, we
0: hope that you enjoyed uh, AEW all in or maybe you'll enjoy all out. Um, you know, I maybe I, all shake all about. Maybe, yeah, maybe <laughs> <the> week after <laughs> we'll go back all in. <laughs> and then, you know, so on and so forth. Um but I you know, I genuinely hope that it be that it is enjoyable, that it is a great pay-per-view uh, because good wrestling only helps wrestling as a whole, the whole thing. Yeah. So, well, when we come back, we are talking about the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt. So keep it here.
2: Hey, fam. This is Hector Mirai, and you're listening to Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So, I started One Piece with my kids a few weeks back, and we've had camp and cons and dance camp and band camp and all these things. So, we haven't made it incredibly far. Uh, I want to say we're, like, on episode 54 out of 1076. Um but somewhere in the process of the just the 50 some episodes we've watched um the theme song changed and i know this is a common occurrence in anime and it's something we deal with and but here's the deal i really liked the first song i really liked the theme song like it's been stuck in my head for days and now that it's not the theme song anymore i not hearing it that makes me sad um and i'm very disappointed every time i hear this new song pop up and i know it's going to change again out of a thousand episodes it has to um but (laughs) i liked the old song and i kind of want it back um and (laughs) it's annoying and kind of frustrating to me i'm probably After I get done recording this, probably going to start looking for covers of it so I can uh, add it to my music library. Um, But I think we find a comfort in singing the same songs over and over. I think we find comfort in things being familiar. It's like why the Office theme song is such a banger. And uh, just because you hear those notes and you know it's something new. It's not something new. It's something familiar and peaceful. Which is why I think it's kind of a counter thought that in Psalm 96, verse 1, we get this scripture that tells us, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. And I think there's such a peace and familiarity to singing the same things over and over, Caleb. And I think it's a reminder to us that god doesn't just want us to get comfortable and doing the same things on repeat that he wants something fresh from us he wants something new from us he wants us to be interacting with him continually which allows us to offer up new songs new prayers and new worship if you'd like to learn more about faith and fandom head on over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our comic-con ministry podcast, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me.
0: And welcome back to the Two Words Podcast, where today our two words are Bray Wyatt. This last week, we lost uh, such an influential part of our wrestling family. Um, and even the day before, we didn't even talk about it. We lost Terry Funk, Terry Funk. yeah. Um, who I think in, in a lot of ways you can see inspired mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt, to, uh, at least in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so tonight, we just kind of wanted to take an opportunity to... Feel our feelings to, to, to say what <laughs> to we need to person. say uh, to, to be, uh, you know, 12 years old, uh, uh. losing somebody, uh, that is important because it, this, I was, you know, we were talking about this earlier. This feels different, mm-hmm. Like it feels so much different. And so
1: this um, this is this feels similar to how Owen Hart, when he passed away, felt. Oh, yeah. Owen Hart was a bit more visceral because it happened in front of us. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's that kind of tragedy. It's the there was so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's gone.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right.
1: So, uh, we first met
0: Wyndham Rotunda as Cody Rhodes' NXT protege Husky Harris, the army tank with a Ferrari engine, making it to the final six of the uh, of the competition before being eliminated. The next time we would see him, he would come as a member of, the, of Wade Barrett's faction, The Nexus. He would remain with the group through CM Punk's time as leader, but would be written off with a head injury in 2011. In 2012, Rotunda officially debuted in Florida Championship Wrestling as Bray Wyatt, the menacing and provocative leader of the Wyatt family. Alongside his followers Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, Wyatt... Right... Woo. Wyatt would terrorize the WWE universe, encouraging them to let him in and to follow the buzzards. His feuds with the likes of Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan, John Cena, and even The Undertaker solidified him as a force to be reckoned with. He even had what many would consider a successful tag team run uh, with Matt Hardy. In April 2019, after a significant time off television, ominous vignettes began appearing across WWE programming, depicting a sinister buzzard puppet, a witch doll, and other toys. Later that month, Wyatt would appear in pre-recorded segments as the host of the surreal children's program known as the Firefly Funhouse, sporting different hair, a shorter beard, and a leaner physique. The segments featured the puppets from the vignettes, a buzzard called Mercy, a reference to Waylon Mercy, who is the inspiration for Wyatt's previous gimmick, a witch named Abby, as well as new additions like Ramblin' Rabbit and Huskis the Pig Boy, a reference to Ray Wyatt's previous gimmick as Husky Harris. There was even a puppet of Mr. McMahon that occasionally appeared. During the initial segment, Wyatt destroyed a cardboard cutout of his old self with a chainsaw, cheerily telling all of his viewers that all they had to do to light the way for him to light the way was to let him in. And of course, who could forget the muscle man dance? <laughs> yeah we wowie yeah wowie indeed <laughs> however this new funhouse bray wyatt was only the beginning as the fiend a demon-like monster alter ego would be introduced the fiend character would go on to have feuds with the likes of finn balor the miz and daniel bryan even winning the universal title a title he would eventually lose to start roman reigns historic title run after a few more feuds with randy orton And John Cena, Wyatt was released in 2021, but in 2022 was brought back after a long buildup of vignettes that sent Radio Matt spiraling. (laughs) This version of Bray Wyatt that returned was more genuine and less supernatural, although there was a significant amount of the former as well, culminating in a match with L.A. Knight at this year's Royal Rumble a match that would wind up being his last as shortly he would been experiencing health complications that would lead to his death on August 24th of 2023 I read that and I remember all of those things mm-hmm. and when you compact them into into a couple of paragraphs, you really realize how much Bray Wyatt did in such an unbelievably short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I immediately fell in love with the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Like when they first started doing um, the Bray, the Wyatt family vignettes. And they first had him appear. Like, I remember watching Raw that night that they were like Michael Cole was visiting the compound. And, or Baron, I think Byron Saxon was. Somebody was visiting the compound and he was like looking around at this like swamp house and he looks over and there's just like. Eric Rowan dragging something behind him and he just kind of looks over and then just like, keeps walking. Um, and and it was amazing. And he, he, he committed to it. And I think that that's what made all of us older wrestling fans fall in love with that so much because it it was kind of holding on to this suspension of disbelief for us. It was creating a character like what we had grown up with. Um, what, what what are, what are some of your, your thoughts.
1: Uh, so I, d- I didn't get into Bray right away. I didn't give a flying flip about Husky Harris. I forgot he existed for the longest time.
0: Uh, yeah, I think most people's response was, is that Husky Harris?
1: He was the guy in the back. That's that, what I remember. Is that Dean Kane? <laughs> is that Dean Cain? Uh, <laughs> no, but, but uh, I didn't jump into Wyatt Family right away. But it was when he started his program with The Undertaker where he okay. was declaring himself the new face of fear. Mm-hmm. That grabbed me. Because I was, I still am, huge Undertaker stand, mm-hmm. And so anything Undertaker was doing, I was all in. And this was cool. And I really wanted Bray to be the one to beat the Undertaker. This was prior to him losing, wasn't it? No, no it wasn't. But it was supposed to be like, the the idea was, in my mm-hmm. head, that he would be retiring the Undertaker mm-hmm. essentially, yeah, and becoming actually the new face of fear. Yeah, but because it lost. was the yeah. year after. It was. That's right. It was right. thirty one. It was the year after. I knew it was close. Uh, and so when Undertaker won, I was actually disappointed, mm-hmm. uh, and I hadn't really developed that love for Bray Wyatt yet. But I was disappointed Bray didn't win. Uh, so it was from then on, though, that I was all in on Bray. But I loved. So much the Firefly Funhouse Bray and the Fiend and that weird co-personality thing. Mm -hmm. I loved how the Fiend was, at least at the beginning, unbeatable. But uh, every now and then Bray would just wrestle as himself and he would usually lose. Uh, as himself, I loved how they made this two separate entities in the one body. It was, I mean, it's all s- stupid, unbelievable stuff, yep. and that's kind of what made me love it.
0: But it was, it was full commitment, it was a full commitment version of what Finn Balor does. And exactly, I'm not trashing yeah. Finn Balor, but they they do the whole, oh, I'm gonna bring out the demon. Right. Um, terrible Finn Balor impression, but... <laughs> I'm gonna out the <laughs> <laughs> after me, lucky charms. Um, but like they, they do that, was like, yeah, okay. But you know, it's just gonna be Finn Balor wrestling
1: right. with face pain. By, by the end of the match, the face pain will be gone. And it'll just look yeah. like Bray Wyatt or Finn Balor, anyway. But this, yeah. this was something different. It was always presented differently. I think the the COVID. Break actually helped him because they got to do those kind of cinematic things, yeah. which allowed them to do even crazier junk. Um, just I, I loved it so much. And so when he got let go. After that, just completely fumbled WrestleMania thing with him being all melted and whatever. Yeah. Beforehand, that was fumbled. And that was not all Bray's fault. <sighs> when he got let go a part of my heart died like it was yeah i've never felt that way about a wrestler being let go i'm like there's no way and so when they did like you said (laughs) you know i lost my mind when they were doing the the white rabbit qr code teases and all this kind of stuff and like i watched a lot of people have been reposting on on tiktok their reactions to extreme rules when you know it is he coming back? This is is it him? That kind of thing. Everyone went, when the, uh, he's got the whole world in his hands started mm-hmm. playing at the end. People just losing their minds. And I'm just like, that's exactly how I felt on the, I'm just like, jump. i just, I can't believe it. It's actually happening. It's here. We're watching it. I've seen, I've watched that whole 10 minutes of the tail end of extreme rules. Yeah. A, a dozen times or more. It's, It was just so good. And seeing this new Bray Wyatt and the promise of this new story and this new Wyatt family faction thing that was coming was just so exciting. Like, I was set for wrestling for the next decade. Here we go. I don't care if the rest of the industry burns to the ground. I'm here for the Bray Wyatt stories. (laughs) And so to have him start to ramp that up. And then he came down with the whatever undisclosed illness he had. Um, and so he was out. That was a huge bummer. But we expected him to come back. And we even had, I think it was just last week, we had like a good report, like, he's doing great. Mm-hmm. He'll, be, he'll be back soon. And so whatever, whatever the illness was, that's not what took his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had COVID a few weeks ago. And apparently, when he had it, it was pretty rough on his heart. And so the lower portion of his heart wasn't beating properly. Gosh. And so they had, uh, the doctor had advised him that he was at an elevated risk of having a heart attack right now until they could figure out how to rejuvenate that portion of his heart. And so they advised him to wear like a portable defibrillator, mm. one that you can attach to your person uh, at all times. And uh, this day, he was not wearing it went to take a nap and passed in his nap in his sleep uh, which at least it wasn't like a violent yeah way to go like that's the way you want to go if you're gonna go but just truly sucks that yeah this happened so young as he was rebounding from something that apparently was already life threatening because that's what the rumor has been whatever it yeah. was it was serious and that's why he's been gone for so many months and it's just it's just it hurts to have that excitement last week like he's on his way. Yeah. It's coming they're going to start playing seeds again. We're going to we're going to do this. We're going to revamp it. It's time to go see whatever his next vision was cuz the dude was fearless in the storytelling, man. Most of this stuff is his creation. Yeah. And he's he's willing to take chances. He's willing for it to go out and and suck, but most of the time it doesn't. And yeah. that's kind of the difference between him and a lot of other characters. I'm bummed, yeah, well, you know, and I texted you um <gasps> when it, when it happened, such a gut p- i didn't I didn't believe it, yeah, well, I went and googled I, everything yeah <laughs> um i was I was
0: having dinner with my daughter, and uh like some, I don't know somebody had sent it to me or something. Um, and so I tried. I tried googling. It and was like, oh man, I almost called you because I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't want you to find out. It
1: felt like a family member, right? Yeah. It
0: really did. And <sighs> and I think that you know, you talk about his fearless storytelling. You know, when he came back, and I, and I mentioned this on on our Facebook, but it, there was like a very, at least it felt like there was this very obvious real pain that he was invoking to tell that story. And like, I texted you and I was like, I'm almost relieved that it's not what I thought it was because I, because he had like genuinely convinced me Mm -hmm. that he was battling depression in that sense. Mm -hmm. Like so very hardcore, like, right. And that's, and that's usually
1: what it is when it's this young. That's
0: almost amazing that he could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, While still, Holding on to like that supernatural kind of thing, and you know, I, I you can't you can't teach storytelling like that. Yeah. Um. And the cool thing is, like you know, he made it in such a way that all of these different moments in his life, he's tying together to create something like. Completely copacetic, so to say. Like mm-hmm. he even like ties in like husky hairs. I mean, like that was just you know that was a scared little boy who didn't know who was just trying to do what he was told. And like, like you believed um, that he was. I also when we were, th- I was thinking about it and I was putting this whole thing together. It's like he really changed a lot of people for the better. Mm-hmm. Like. Everything he touched turned to gold. Nobody would have cared about John Hubbard, Brody Lee, if it wasn't for his time with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and they tried to they tried to ruin him. Mm-hmm. Like if you remember, like we're all old enough to remember the Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> WWE tried to ruin. Luke Harper's Luke Harper's career And they almost did it um,
1: And then you saw him Go to AEW And immediately Be a leader Oh yeah Because and everybody Be encapsulated by him Yeah
0: Like because of that Yeah Daniel Bryan Became better at storytelling <clears throat> mm-hmm. Because of his stuff With Bray Wyatt Randy Orton's career Was kind of I felt like it was Kind of on a On a plateau mm-hmm. Or even kind of Angled down a little bit And then he got in that With Bray Wyatt And it's like Oh this is perfect Like
1: started with them being tag team partners together and then yeah uh going up against each other him being the one to burn down the swamp house yeah <laughs> like all of this was crazy stuff so good but it made you care about Randy Orton a little bit more too
0: and 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 to take like what he did with John Cena at WrestleMania 30 which was mm-hmm. perfection by itself mm-hmm. um and then what and then, like, a few years later, you call back to that, and, and the story is, I'm mad that you didn't hurt me more.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, that was the story, and, like, I don't, that's, you know. Also, gotta say, kudos to WWE, because this was one time that they had, like, a call-up that they didn't screw up. And they they didn't change it. They were they were the Wyatt family in, in what was it Florida Championship Wrestling, MCDM, Wherever they yeah. Were, yeah. And they were the Wyatt family when they came here and they did great. Wyatt family ran for a good while. Uh it was it was a fantastic um story from the beginning and they recognized that at the beginning. Then Vin- Vince went nuts when he fired him. Uh, but Triple H was wise. <laughs> he knew. Yeah, yeah. He knew. No, we need him back. Uh, at so the very least, once he got least. the chance, he brought him back.
0: Um, well,
1: you know, I, I'm, I'm upset that this. I'm obviously, I'm
0: very upset that this has come to such an abrupt end. But I'm. I think that his contribution will always be visible mm-hmm. to to uh the final the final product and and honestly Hillary and I were talking about it it's like he's worthy of being intro- inducted into the Hall of Fame next year
1: absolutely absolutely like,
0: because of this
1: like, <laughs> um,
0: immediately to me
1: yeah I would recommend if you didn't catch the Smackdown uh from last week uh catch it when it comes out on peacock or I think they do the do they still do the shortened version on Hulu?
0: Hulu yeah, they do the shortened version. on But Hulu. I would
1: encourage you to watch the whole thing when it comes out. I think it's a. I think they're a month behind on Peacock. Uh, oh, yeah. So when it when it comes out, go check it out. Okay, because the tribute show was. So good. I caught a good chunk of it. Yeah. But yeah, it was so good. All the little nods, all the like some some kind of sneaky references to, L.A. Knights uh, ended that promo on Miz with doing the run thing. Yeah. It was oh, got chills from that. Perfect. All that was really good. Uh, they they've continued some of those um, tributes right now uh, on Monday Night Raw this past week. Mm-hmm. Seth Rollins has the fiend plates on his title belt. Okay. Inside the nameplate. know. not side. That was really cool. A uh, lot of lot of good like tributes on Twitter and stuff from like Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss couldn't make it to the SmackDown tribute show, but she mm-hmm. put out a whole thing about her uh, and Bray. Like it was it was really good. And <clears throat> um, well, I have one more thing I want to say, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, not we're quite we're Bray. We're... Do you have anything else to say? No, no, show-wise? no. no, no you okay. got it. I didn't run this by you. Um, but this has been, this has been kind of a rough week for us personally as well. Definitely. Um, you know, we have uh, a friend in our life who also passed away way too young. Uh, The next day. Like, yeah, the next day. And while he's not, you know, somebody that anyone else here is listening knows, you know, doing a full podcast on him, (laughs) you know, wouldn't make any sense, but. It does make sense to us that I think that we should tribute this episode both to Bray Wyatt and to our close friend Shane Hill.
0: I think that's a fantastic idea.
1: Shane has been uh, in our lives in several different ways, very close to, to your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a member of our praise band for a little while in our church. He attended our Celebrate Recovery for a while with us. Um and he's been struggling with Crohn's disease and a couple other things yeah um but this 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 past week he also passed away which was really rough um as both the men we're talking about here had wives and children and again you talk about somebody who
0: walks into a room and you interact with and when they walk away you are a completely changed individual mm mm-hmm. um and so um yeah, I, I totally believe that. And you know, maybe just just that's what we learn from this. Mm-hmm. Go out and change mm-hmm. people for the better. Be aggressively good to people. Yeah. Um I, I, I call it loving ferociously. Mm-hmm. Um well uh and, and thank you for that, Matt. That was really wonderful. Um I don't know exactly how to end a show like this um because we can't make jokes uh and and this isn't again th- this isn't even the podcast I had written. I had written a completely different podcast um about uh move sets that I thought were stupid. <laughs> like <laughs> next, Which we'll next do next time. week. We'll next, do next week. It'll be great. <laughs> um but I I I think I think uh ending with uh with the last thing that um, Bray Wyatt ever put on Instagram, uh, might be, might be the way to go. And so, um, we will end on this. Uh, if you, uh, want to head over to our socials at two words, LTN, um, you'll find this podcast and all of our other podcasts, anywhere, social media, any, any social medias and anywhere podcasts are found, uh, you can hear this, but, um, But I will just read this, and I think we will just play ourselves out, if that's okay with you. Sounds good. Wrestling is not a love story. It's a fairy tale for masochists, a comedy for people who criticize punchlines, a fantasy most can't understand, a spectacle no one can deny, lines are blurred, heroes are villains, budgets are cut, business is business, but can be a land where dead men walk, where honor makes you elite, where demons run for office. And rock bottom is a reason to rejoice. Woo is an escape. A reason to point the blame at anyone but yourself for two to three hours. An excuse to be a kid again. And nothing matters except the moment we are in. Wrestling is not a love story. It's much more. It's hope. And in a world surrounded in hate, greed, and violence, a world where closure may never come, we all know a place that has hot and cold hope on tap, for better or for worse. Thank you, Bray.
2: He's got the whole world In his hands He's got the whole